Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and this is the Goop Podcast, where we bring together visionaries, scientists, healers, artists, and seekers. I'm so grateful that I get to interview these extraordinary thought leaders and share their wisdom with you. And I love listening to the conversations that are led by my co-host and dear friend, Cleo Wade. Cleo is a beautiful poet and author. I deeply admire her and the way she keeps her heart open to the world. Together, we believe that engaging in open-minded, honest, and sometimes difficult conversations has the power to change our lives. All right, over to Cleo. Today's guest is Jenna Zoe. Jenna is a world-leading expert in human design, a new system of self-discovery helping people reconnect to who they truly are. Jenna specifically has done this through the lens of acceptance and kindness, which has resonated with hundreds of thousands around the globe through her app, her formal trainings, and now her new book called Human Design, which explores how to identify your own human design and how to use it to reveal your purpose and your gifts. I personally have done many readings with Jenna for my human design over the years, and it is such a pleasure to have her on. Through her work, Jenna has done an amazing job of giving people the tools for understanding who they truly are and what they came here to do. What I love about her is that she has done this while building an incredible community and teaching so many. Okay, let's get to it. Jenna Zoe. Jenna is one of the first people is, is the first person who I send my own books to. She was the first person to read Heart Talk. And there's a quote from Jenna on my second book, Where to Begin. And Jenna and I met when we were 19 years old as interns in New York City in fields that we don't even work in anymore in any way, shape, or form. And it's really special to be very close with someone who you have actually, you know, that saying where if you're lucky, you live a hundred lives in one lifetime. It's really special to share that with someone and, and really see it and feel it in the moment. I feel like we have known each other through such incredible change. And I, I know that in reflecting on everything I thought about when I was writing, remember love, what I thought about the most was the struggles we have with change. Because the act of change is actually pretty easy, but the feelings that accompany change are really hard. And that's where people feel they're most alone. And that's where they question themselves the most. Mm. And I know that human design is something that when I am going through periods of change or periods where I'm really confronting kind of my inner compass when it's in contradiction with the room full of people telling me to do something differently, Mm. Um, I've really leaned on the human design principles that you introduced me to what, 10 years ago. And 
it's been amazing to watch you build this human design community and really teach this craft that is so interesting because it's one of the only, I'd say, woo-woo things I have mm-hmm. also seen men really drawn to. So, mm-hmm. you know, a couple months ago, I was in London with Jenna and we had dinner with Simon, my partner and um, my brother, Bernardo. And when I tell you that I cannot even get them to read their horoscope, but they <laughs> were obsessed with human design and instantly downloaded the app and were like, this is so true. And this is so this. And so I want to talk about a few things, starting, I guess, with your discovery of human design. How did you discover it or did it discover you? Well, firstly, you know, it does come back to, you know, if I rewind in my head back to the days of you and me reading The War of Art together, Mm -hmm. you know, at 20, 21 years old in little apartments or little hotel rooms in New York and you know, at that point in our lives, not knowing how to do this, but just knowing that we had a curiosity, you know, and I think that Mm -hmm. moment of us both kind of dipping our toes into, you know, getting to know ourselves or self-development, things that we now, you know, I guess, make our whole lives about. Yeah. I think for me, then it kicked off so much time going to so many people for advice and feeling almost worse about myself because I couldn't just understand, co-create with the universe, trust the universe, live in the flow. And I almost felt, you know, when you're in the beginning of this and you're 19 or 20, you do feel powerless. I felt like I didn't believe in myself and how was I ever going to believe in myself? And it wasn't until probably I was 26 when I met somebody who was a healer who did my human design on me. And it was Mm -hmm. the first thing that really clicked because it was like this idea that everyone has a custom roadmap of how they are supposed to find their alignment, how they're supposed to use their energy, because we all know we're different. But it's like, how are we different? Where's my specific roadmap on how do I get into the flow? How do I open up more ease in my in my journey, in my day? How do I use my energy patterns to benefit me rather than work against me? So it was kind of like an instant remedy for feeling like I was getting the sort of cookie cutter advice wrong and then berating myself for not getting it right. Mm. So that's where the sort of instant click came from. And that was when, you know, another life that you remember me from was when I had a food business and I just started doing human design on the side for friends and family. And then it was that weird moment where I started making more money in my like secret side hustle yeah than in my actual life when when the side hustle starts to center itself you know yeah. you're on to something <laughs> but like you said the change is hard because that's when you're like oh hold on a second I have to give up all the persona that I thought I was this like woman running around running a food business and go and do readings like 10 years rewind to 10 years ago like this wasn't normal I thought I'd be reading the lottery for people with a wig on you know like that would be my highest aspiration you know so like exactly what you said, that really resonated with me about the change being easy, but the thoughts and the and the feelings around it being really hard. But I think that's also why the tribe thing, what you said is re- really means so much to me, because I think, you know, we spoke about this a lot where we felt like we were almost being talked to at the beginning of our spiritual journey. And mm-hmm. what we really needed was more of a handholding. And I had yeah. that in you as, a, as my yeah. spiritual running buddy, you know? And so, and I think both of us actually, that meant a lot to us. And I think you do that as much in your work as I do in mine now, where it's like, you really just try to be the person that's, you know, next to someone rather than above someone. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because I have had to start talking a lot about Remember Love lately because it's coming out soon and I've had to do some interviews and things. And every single time I say, you know, my books are a friend, they're a hand to hold. You know, I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't claim to have the answers, but what I do try to create is a way to be there with you in those moments. And I feel that part of how I know the power of that is through our friendship over these years. Anyone who knows me very well or has known me for a long time knows the significance that Jenna has in my life. I mean, even when I was at my one of my last day jobs, the first self-help book I ever read, I read in the lobby of Jenna's hotel as I was waiting (laughs) for her. And we had talked about this book, The War of Art, The War of, yeah, right? The War of Art, 
not the art of war. And it set me on my path of saying like, wow, this idea of writing these books to help people. I I didn't know about them. I didn't grow up in a family where therapy or self-help or spirituality beyond that, like music is soulful and life is soulful was present. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a really soulful house, but I don't think there was a spiritual practice in my household. I think your household was similar. And and although we have very different kind of parents and, and homes and our backgrounds, but I read that book and I started that book while I was waiting for Jenna so that we could go out to lunch. And she was the person I, you know, would call and text as I was reading it being like, wow, this is really impacting me. I think I could have a message like this. I think that these messages are hitting me because I have a message within me for, for people too, which at the time seemed insane. Cause I don't think anyone would have, if you would have known me 15 years ago or in my childhood would have thought that what I do now is what I would have done. And I think that's so true for Jenna also. I don't think that there's anyone who knew you as a teenager who would think that you'd be a leader in human design Mm -mm. today. And I think actually a lot of how I've found confidence in doing the thing that is completely unlike what I even ever thought I could do or anyone else thought I could do was because I did lean on human design principles. And I was one of the early kind of guinea pigs for Jenna. And I remember thinking like, this makes so much sense to me. And this is helping me so much with feeling okay about my kind of particularities or things I felt someone could have looked at as wrong with my journey or like wrong with what my productivity looked like. Because I think Mm -hmm. in our world, we're so obsessed with, you know, we don't think about the joy of getting the thing done or doing the thing in a way that uplifts us. We think about getting it done and looking like we worked really hard to get it done. Because if you didn't look like it killed you, Mm -hmm. then you didn't do the important thing. And human design really freed me from that, where I remember thinking like, I don't have to look like the walking dead. I don't have to be stressed. I don't have to be tough. I don't have to be sharp. And it really melted my edges because I, it kind of gave me permission to, I guess. Yeah. And that, that's the thing that is so unique about it is that, you know, consider all the things you've been told were wrong about you. And what if they were oh so right? in one sentence, you know, that, you know, your energy patterns work different from mine. But when I see how wonderful mine are, then I can look at yours and almost vicariously get off on them because I don't see them as a threat to mine, you know? Mm. So then you actually from a grounded place, look at people from a more sort of awe and, and just enjoyment sort of way, because I can go, okay, wow, well, Cleo is a manifester. Isn't it so cool that she can just put something out and then just literally let the chips fall where they may and have this impact on people and have such a big aura that she doesn't need to be doing the same thing consistently day in day out where somebody else wouldn't have that same you know that same sort of effect and you know that's just one aspect of of how you're designed but I think the beauty is that you know you don't have to when you're becoming the person that you really came here to be you don't have to face unnecessary resistance. Of course, there's always going to be challenges in life, but you don't have to face unnecessary resistance on your path because I really believe that when you're doing something that the universe, like you're doing your specific role that, you know, you play in the collective, mm-hmm. then the universe is like incentivized to tell you to, yeah, yes, honey, you're on the right path. So here's all the synchronicities and the opportunities to kind of selfishly encourage you to keep going and doing what yeah. you're doing, you know? And in the same way, you know, it's a beautiful thing when we get shown that things aren't flowing because it's like, okay, this is just a real time sort of feedback that you need to change something about what you're up to. And, you know, you're such a good example of someone who, you know, how did you know that embracing something like poetry, which wasn't cool, you know, which no happening in any way? I mean, it was it was crazy. Yeah. And how did you know that you were going to start like basically a ginormous, if I can say so, you know, a ginormous Instagram trend. And not only that, but that it would become so much more, but you just embraced it based on the entry instead of questioning like, well, is it guaranteed to make me successful? And, you know, instead of following paths that you thought were more sure and just kind of have followed it every step of the way of what you were called to do. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. 
When it comes to putting together your home, a great rug can make all the difference. A rug is really what pulls a room together and creates harmony. Nordic Knots offers a curated collection of rugs and timeless, high-quality essentials. They collaborate with leading designers and are the insider rug brand gracing some of the world's most beautiful homes. They have a wide-ranging collection, but we'll just talk about a few favorites today. The luxurious Grand Collection is known for its simple design, stunning colors, and high-quality wool. But if you're feeling a bit more bold, their designer collaborations are made with world-renowned designers and interior architects. Their Goodweave certified rugs are handmade and woven in all natural materials, like their super soft and beautiful New Zealand wool. At Nordic Knots, they make the process of rug shopping easy and enjoyable. And they always offer fast and free shipping from the U.S. To explore their rug collections, head to nordicknots.com. Use promo code INNERCIRCLE to get free rug samples. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. You know, what's really interesting is that I'd recently written in Remember Love that if we can ask ourselves to harmonize our lives, we find that every sound in the song belongs. And a lot of the time I feel that we don't believe every sound in the song belongs. And if we hear the thing that like, we don't think sounds great or, you know, is the problem. The thing is, is that it just is, and it just is there. And our choice is how much time we wrap around the thing that is there. So if you look at it as the symphony, you can say like, well, does that deserve a long solo? You know, if there's all of these sounds that could be happening in this, in this giant orchestra, that is your life. You know, if there's the thing and it's rubbing you the wrong way, or it's that hump, you can't get over. It's like, maybe you don't get over it. You just give it less time and give other things more time. Mm. And so much of when I was writing that, I thought about human design because I thought about the ways in which human design really validates every single part of who you are. And it doesn't really believe in these kind of polarities that we're all really stuck in, which is good or bad or weak Mm. or strong. It just Mm. says to kind of move and embrace what does flow, what does sound amazing. And Mm. don't be shy about basking in the sound that kind of makes you dance the most or makes you feel the Mm. most kind of warmth within. And so I guess to get to the nitty gritty for, because I'm I mean, it's very hard for me to just have a linear conversation with Jenna because (laughs) it just is, but I'd love for you to break down the process of how you do a human design chart, even maybe the history of human design, you know, where does it come from and why is this something that people can kind of embrace? Like, cause I find it to be one of the more empowering kind of spiritual practices. And what I really love about it is that it's not reliant on you being like a guru. I do think guru culture can be a little scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really is. It's almost like yoga in the way that it, it has these amazing readers or teachers, but ultimately the practice being your own is the ultimate gift. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what I love about it too, is it's, it's a kind of a mirror to say to you, this is who you are. And there's not really any new teachings. It's just more about you daily shining awareness on different parts of your life of where you're not embracing maybe who you are or not doing life your way. And so it's kind of like all the best truths in the world, right? That They stay the same truth. We just learn them in deeper and deeper ways. So it was formulated 36 years ago, and it is a combination. It's based off of astrological calculations of the planets on the day you're born in similar way as astrology but it's not like astrology in the way that astrology for example will tell you you're going to have three kids or you know that sort of thing it's much more scientific and functional and I think that's one of the reasons why men also resonate with it because it's not inherently spiritual it's more sort of practical and functional so when we take the calculations of the planets to figure out what your energy is, we're actually just measuring the energy that was present in the time and place you were born, which imagine that's like your first like in breath, right, is the energy. And so you get kind of seeded with that energy. And that energy is a picture of who you were before the world started telling you to be anything other than that. Mm. And so the goal is really getting back to who you were before you were conditioned. So it's also called the science of individuation. And the process is about deconditioning. 
So I believe the reason why it was, you know, kind of gifted to us now is because we are in an era now where sort of group structures and a lot of top down and a lot of homogenization throughout the last couple of hundred years, they've served their purposes in good ways, but now they're really breaking down and we're entering into a new era as of 2027, according to human design, where the focus is less on the collective and more on the individual. And so I believe that we get given tools when we are ready to, in terms of our kind of group consciousness, Mm -hmm. and also when it's time, right, in in the great unfolding of humanity. And so the whole point about human design is that I really wanted it to be accessible. I didn't want people to have to pay, you know, $350 for a one-time session and wait a year and a half to see me. So that's where the sort of the book and the and the app and the website all come in handy because there's not a single person on the planet who doesn't want to know a bit more about themselves, you know? So I think we're really entering into this age where everything is for the people. And that's where I think it's really why it is, is around now. It's interesting because all of my friends who did readings with you for their kids back in the day, what I really found it helped them with the most was to remind them how individualized each child is. Because I think a lot of the time you blanket mother. So you're just like, well, I'm momming and they're childing, right? Like you, you, you mostly hear people say kids are this, kids are that instead of saying, you know, Memphis is this and Bayou is this and, mm-hmm. and really kind of constantly appreciating the ways that they are individualized, you know, as a, as a practice, you know, cause most of the time yeah. you're just like, oh, sorry, my kids wouldn't go to bed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, and of course we talk like that, you know, it's, it's shorthand. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. But the thing is, is that over time, what we don't realize is that kind of putting those you know, words consistently on our kids, we forget that they're like, just so, so different needs such different things. You kind of forget to individuate them. I think a little bit, cause you're just trying to get by. And I remember when my friends did their human design readings for their kids, it really helped, especially cause some of them were coming into being teens and getting older. They were like, God, it really reminded me to just give them totally different rules. If one needs to stay up later to read, Mm. I don't have to worry about her sleep the same way as the other one. Yeah. That's why I think it's especially cool for parents. Yeah. It's really liberating because also, you know, there's two parts of that equation. One is who your kids are and the other one is who you are. And if your life is about being the person you came here to be, you also need to be a mother in that same way. So there's so much conditioning about what a good mom is, but if you if you believe that your kids pick you, if you are more of a hands-off person, you know, I know so many moms who are giving themselves a hard time for not being more involved, but maybe that's the mother that your kids need is the mother that you were naturally, if you were your unthought through self would show up that way, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's equal parts looking at the mother's design or the parent's design yeah. and the kid's design and then seeing how they fit together just in the same way as any any relationship. And so I think it also helps remove a lot of the guilt of, you know, if you're a mom that is more of a guide versus if you're a mom that's more the one who they want to be doing all the activities with, right? And there's so many different flavors and they're all beautiful. What are the different human design types? Okay, so the first thing that we look at when we look at your human design is called your energy type. And that's kind of like saying your sun sign. So it's not everything, but it's the first place to look. And what your energy type tells you is not so much of a personality thing. It's more about the way that your energy functions. So how you put energy into the world to get the most bang for your buck, right? So if you imagine we all have a different battery, our battery functions five different ways in human beings. And so, for example, you have people like you who are manifestors, You also have in your camp, you have Adele and people who put something out and it makes an impact and they create a movement. Gloria Steinem is one too. They do something and then they're not hot on the heels of micromanaging how it gets received, what happens to it. They just feel this urge to groove a new pathway in humanity's kind of movement forward. And then when they are doing that, they're at 200%. And then when they go, they need to come back down and wait for the next urge to come. So these are not people who are built for a nine to five or for consistent energy. It's at like 200% or it's a 50. So that's number one is that understanding that that energy pattern is completely different than 
the conditioning of the world and that's what you were saying earlier about you know not pushing and forcing and understanding to not you know rest in the same way that other people do and it's really it's really hard in in that manifesting journey at times because you really find yourself in tears a lot because <laughs> whenever i'm working with other institutions and everyone's like do this and do this and do this in order to have success in this way or in this and i'm like listen Mm-hmm. I have to trust that I know I wrote the right thing for my reader. Cause I like think about them the entire time I'm writing it. And so I trust the outcomes because I trust my intention. And I yeah. think that that has been throughout my entire career, one of the hardest things. And I feel like if you hadn't told me 10 years mm-hmm. ago, that that was like kind of a function of my type, Mm-hmm. I would get hijacked way more often and I still get hijacked because you get, yeah. you know, you get in a corner and you're kind of like, okay, I guess. And, but I wouldn't know how to trust the kind of larger energy within me. That's like, no, I need to trust that. Like I wrote the right thing at the right time for mm-hmm. the right person. And like, I feel that in my heart. I only mm-hmm. write when I feel called to write. I don't have plans for like, if I do three books a year, then da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. Yeah. You know, it's yes. like, I need to call my friend and tell her this long story. Like that's when I sit down to write the book. So beautiful. I don't think I'd be able to truly function had I not had a human design reading 10 years ago. I mm. truly feel that way. That's amazing. And I, there's so many things you said about that, that are so bang on in the sense that, you know, manifest is the other thing about them is that they are the train driver. So they're saying, I'm going from Italy to Rome and that aura, your aura is so big. So the right people do find you, like you said. And so your job is not to get out of the train onto the platform and ask where everybody wants to go. You're saying, this is where this is going. And then the right people, everyone reads a sign and the right people come join you. So there is a self-selecting mechanism about your aura, your energy body. And, you know, it's a big, big aura. So it will find, it will call people on your behalf, even if you're just trying to sneak past and get a coffee. (laughs) people feel it, you know, so the right people feel it. And, you know, there is such a beauty as well when you get more micro with human design, where if marketing is not your, one of your inherent gifts, it's not aligned for you to try to do that. Either someone else will, or you won't need it, or it will just magically disappear that even that was even part of the necessary plan. We just don't know. So I think that's such a, I, I'm going to send this to all the manifestors that I know. And I also think that since you're an emotional manifesto, what drives you is your feelings, right? So you get these urges, like you said, from the heart, from this feeling called to do something. So it's, it's very aligned. Enough about me. I'm so sorry. I'm hijacking this podcast. <laughs> I feel so I'm like, sorry. Well, we don't um, talk about them enough. So it's really refreshing to have like a deep dive a little bit on a manifesto. So what's another type? So the next one is generators. Now generators are people who are much more sort of like daily devotional. So you have people like Oprah, Beyonce, they do something they love and they just add it up every day. And when they're doing something they love, they have the consistent energy battery to do like to compound and add something to the the bank account, let's say, and just have it compound into achieving mastery of something by the use of, they have this like gut energy that that they need to actually use up over the course of the day, right? And so when they just keep on doing that thing, the thing about generators is that when they do something that they love from the gut, like from feeling literally viscerally, physically pulled to people, they're very grounded, touchy, you know, get their hands into it type of people, Mm -hmm. right? So when they do that and it's something that they really love, it gives them more energy. When they're doing something that they feel like they have to, it actually takes their energy away. But they're the people that kind of hum along and we all feed off of their juicy life force that they create. And so it doesn't really matter what generators are doing. It doesn't matter what they love. It matters more that they're kind of creating such a spillover of their energy that it kind of magnetizes other people to them. And in the same way that a manifestor's energy is really big and impactful, a generator's energy is really inviting. So it's like, we want to be close to them. We want to like sip on their sparkle. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter whatever they're, whatever, whatever it is they're doing. We're just like, want to get close and want to like whiff off of their energy because their energy can just kind of hum along. Right. So that's the thing about generators is that they often feel this incredible guilt of it can't just be as easy as being selfish and doing what I love, but it's ironically the most selfless thing they can do because they don't see how it actually then ends up lifting the energy of the world. And you think about the word generator, it is to literally generate energy. And so that's what generators are here to do. 
And then you have a hybrid of manifestors and generators and they're called manifesting generators. And manifesting generators are like the classic multi-passionate, multi-directional people, right? So they have the kind of spontaneity of a manifester, but with the, with the consistency of a generator to back it up. So they're often the sort of multi-hyphenates, like you think about Angelina Jolie, who's like directing, and then she's saving a baby, and then she's speaking at the UN. And <laughs> that's just like making it all work. But no one doesn't think it doesn't make sense when she's doing it because it's all aligned. And what's amazing about them is that because they're meant to do many things in, the, in their lifetime, it's okay for them to quit while they're ahead. It's okay for them to get bored quickly. And they also master things faster than other people, right? Because they aren't supposed to stick around for very long. They're not supposed to have that consistent devotion that a generator has. So for them, like to just put their fingers in all these random different pies, even if it doesn't make sense, it will somehow, you will fuse it together and make sense of it to other people. But because that doesn't yet exist, we can't wrap our heads around it. So you can't wait for us to be like, oh, that's a good idea. So that's manifesting generators. And they have a huge engine and a very, very quick way of moving through the world. So for them, with their energy is, again, to do things that light them up, but in the same way as generators, but also to not be scared about moving on quicker, about adding lots of things, about fusing the dynamism that is that is the sort of USP of their energy. Yeah, I always think of them as like quintessentially abundant with energy. Like most people, the more they take on, the more they feel like they're holding. Whereas I think with them, the more they take on, the more they expand. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that's just confusing to the brain because just mm-hmm. so many people are not like that. And yeah. so I find that my friends who are that sign, I'm always like, just keep taking it on. Don't be trapped into thinking that you can't because most people wouldn't be able to hold it mm-hmm. or handle it. Like you're actually built to handle more and more and more as a function. Absolutely. So well put. I love that. And then you have projectors and projectors are, It's interesting because the world is so much about your own dreams and achieving and going towards a goal, whereas a projector's role is to actually figure out something that you can see that can help someone else's doing or other people's doing better. So it's almost like projectors are people who can see efficiency gains or tweaks or improvements to help other people get from their A to their B in a better way. Mm Now, these are all, you know, the problem with words, and I don't know how you feel about this, but there's not enough words to describe these kinds of things. And so we're talking about energetically here, a projector's value is not in how much they're able to do, it's in how much they're able to help other people do better. So they really are not the people who are built for, in the same way that manifestors aren't built for a nine to five, projectors aren't either. Most of their work is to observe and learn about the world and then to actually wait until someone wants to hear their their help, their guidance, their whatever. So as a projector, it's always about like you could be, I remember one of your friends is a lawyer and he's a projector, you know, so people would come to him and say, how can I do this in a better way? And so as a projector, their their energy pattern is slower and lower than other people's. It's because they're not supposed to be here keeping up with the rest of the world. They're supposed to be sitting back watching the world and then helping the doing be done better. So that's a completely different way of using energy. Yeah. I feel like they're frame holders. Mm. You know, they hold the frame. Uh, And I think that they're also like really good at constructing framework because a lot of the Mm. time, you know, with, I think manifestors and, you know, sometimes the energy is just so big that I think a lot of the times you'll find someone who has that really big rush of energy. It's almost like in Kabbalah where it's like, there's the kind of the channel that just the high frequency energy rushing and they almost always find a vessel because if not their energy ha- takes no shape and they're in, so in partnership they usually end up trying to find a like a kind of container for their energy so that it it has form instead of just being this blinding light or mm. free flowing water and I always think of them as kind of like they're so good with the framework it's such a good way of putting it it's really really helpful and and Another analogy that I sometimes think helps is, you know, you're a bird up on the branches, you're watching all the lions and the tigers. If you try and go down and beat them at their game, you're always going to lose. But if you can see a path and say, go left instead of go right, that might help you. That's that's your value, right? So I think you're right. It's it's They're all kind of obsessed with efficiency, obsessed with improvement, kind of brainy sort of people. So that's projectors. 
And then you have reflectors and reflectors are only 1% of the population. So they're really rare. And reflectors are really people who are such chameleons because they shape shift around whoever they're with. Their environment has the most impact on them than everybody else. So we all think that our environment affects us, but it really does like actually change their personality. And that's because they really are complete like blank slates. And as the name suggests, reflectors, they reflect everything back to itself. Mm-hmm. So the thing about reflectors with their energy patterns, it can be super, super high. And if it is, it's because of what you're around. And if it's really low, it's also because of what you're around. Low isn't necessarily worse, but for them, it really is. If you want to get the most out of your energy, you have to really curate the environments you're in and make that bring out of you what you need to in the moment. And on a deeper level, they say that reflectors belong at the center of the tribe because you know that saying of like, you see yourself in other people. If you spend time with an, a reflector who's really aligned and who's really deconditioned themselves, you can see much, much deeper levels into them because there's no buffer of their own persona that's mm. kind of, you know, intervening with that. So that's that's reflectors and there's, there's so few of them because we don't need that many if we really can come to one and, and see one. But as a reflector, they have to really remember that trying to understand this this question of who am I is never going to be able to be answered. You're never going to have a fixed answer for that. And it's much more fun to be a reflector who's just curious about being different people every single day. And that's a big deconditioning that they face is not having a certain identity. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. CarbonX is an environmental company that aims to empower people to make a positive impact on the planet. They've created a simple platform to help you make up for your carbon emissions by supporting climate-friendly projects. You can earn shareable badges based on how long you've been offsetting, and your subscription will go towards supporting new initiatives and carbon offsetting projects that have been independently verified to have removed CO2 from the atmosphere. You can choose a project that is meaningful to you, such as planting trees in deforested regions of the Amazon and investing in energy-efficient and renewable resources around the world. For the Goop podcast team, CarbonX wanted to cover our team's carbon footprint. They donated a subscription for us to support an energy-efficient cook stoves program in Uganda. To learn more about CarbonX, head to their website at carbonx.com. That's carbon with a K-X.com or download the CarbonX app. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Do you feel like the intent of human design is to just be able to kind of navigate our material world in a with more ease and sense of self? Yeah, so when you look at your human design, you'll see so many things. Like you'll see a list of all your gifts. You'll see a list of how your digestion works or what your strongest of your successes is. And all of that, I think, is so fun and can be so helpful. But there are two sort of core tenets at the center of it that are like the least glamorous parts, which are your strategy and your authority, which is one, how you make things happen in the world. And the second one is how you make the right decisions for you, right? So one is basically how your specific intuition works. So yours is emotional, mine is emotional, right? Even though we're different types, we have the same decision-making process we default Mm -hmm. to how something makes us feel which is different than listening to your gut or your instincts or using a sounding board they're all different right there's so many different kinds of intuition that exists so if you make the right decisions you know always how to make the right decision no matter what situation you're in in your life and then you know how to use your energy to get the most aligned result for yourself if you just do those two things and work them silly then yes, that's supposed to get you to a place where you're truly co-creating with the universe, meaning you're not using up all your energy to just make stuff happen. It's more like hitting more shots on target because you know what to actually put your energy into and which areas to go into. And so life just becomes more peaceful and you're more happy to do the co-creating, meaning you let the universe do its role as well. And then you know when it's time for you to do yours, you then can throw your full energy into it, but only on the right aligned things rather than a hundred semi-aligned things, you know? Right, right, right. What would you say is the kind of, not that there's a bad part of each type, but what are the things that are the kind of lowest expressions, the things you have to watch out for? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like what's the dark side of being an observance of the types? Yes. So 
what I think is amazing is that every quality, whether it's your energy type, whether it's one of the gifts that you have, every single aspect of you, because we live in a world of polarity, it's our choice. Where the free will comes in is, are we going to express it in its negative expression or in its positive expression? That's why anything, it's not better to have something or not have something else. It's more about, are you going to plug in lack and control and fear into it? Because there is a negative version of every single thing, right? So let's take, for example, sales. If you plug control and fear and lack into it, it's like, manipulating people to buy stuff right yeah so that's leaving a a not such a good net net positive right it's the trail is not so great but if you plug in service consciousness right and everybody wins and only really genuinely wanting to use your persuasion skills to help people discover something that they didn't even know that they needed that's a whole different way of expressing the exact same trait so actually in the book I go into, because there's 64 different kinds of gifts you can have, and I go into all the different things that block the gift or that bring out Mm. the the negative expression of the gift, right? So if you're inherently someone who's always coming up with new ideas, it can also dip you into uh, like melancholy or feeling depressive if you don't keep on interacting with that newness and that love of always having something different and new if you keep yourself if you almost funnel yourself into doing the same thing every day because out of fear and lack and control or block yourself from newness because you feel like you don't know what to do with it or it scares you it terrifies you that would bring you something else that wouldn't be so positive so I think that's also what's cool about it is it is ultimate self-responsibility because none of this is is destined or fate it's all about this is the hand you're dealt how are you going to play it you can't play any other hand but you can play your hand really really well or not so well it's really interesting because we had this amazing entrepreneur justina and who has this beautiful company called jungalo on a couple pod episodes ago and you know she's running this beautiful home design business and, and interiors business but she's been painting and she's been doing this and even how she came up with the kind of idea of even going into business was that she'd started a a kind of a thrift store, but with also her paintings, but with also plans. And she had to like continuously and still does continuously take whatever's interesting to her at any given time into her kind of daily practice of work. And, and I think when I hear you say that, I think of her and I think of so many people who often, if they have the one idea that's working really well, you know, and, and, and you know, her, her business is incredible. And mm-hmm. for most people, they might be like, okay, I have to only focus on this because my lack would tell me my mm-hmm. iron is hot. This is where my growth is. I need to just follow my growth and let my growth of this idea lead me. She has taken these really intentional pauses to say, well, like my growth is probably only happening because I paint every day or because I explore these different parts of myself or because I take time to myself in this way, or because I have time for my own healing journey in this way. And it's really incredible to see, because I think a lot about what her healing design must be like. Yeah. It's, and it's amazing because you can just make everything even more positive. Like it's not even a binary, like everything, if you lean into it more, there's always another layer, there's always another level. So I think that's also quite freeing about, you know, we think with spirituality, we're either there or we're not, you know, but for for this, it's like, as long as you're in the game, i.e. as long as you're alive, there's always another way of the gift will surprise you in ways that we don't even know yet exist, because we just aren't as a, as a whole, we haven't even individuated, not even close to what we're capable of, which is so promising. You know, a couple of years ago, I used to think there is no there. And then lately I've evolved that into the daily there which is enoughness, Mm. you know, which is like the daily there is your hope is that you feel it first thing in the morning that I'm already there because I'm home within myself. Mm. And I think that when we actually create this kind of spiritual gratitude practice around the daily there, I think for me personally, especially in the past four years, that has been so impactful for me to just have this daily there instead of the Mm. kind of hypothetical, long-term five-year this and that there, Mm -hmm. which is why I've also never had a five-year plan in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's so freeing as well, isn't it? Because if you think about why we would have come here is we come here for the unknown. We came here to be surprised and delighted. And so how wonderful that we don't know 
what's coming and but at the same time can love being us at every point of the of the way what is your type and what has been your kind of self-discovery journey been like since knowing your type and Mm -hmm. and how do you kind of weave your type into your daily life so if we're talking about just my type, because I think there's different times in your life where you go through different aspects of it that are kind of really presenting themselves to you. So I'm a projector. And one of the sort of not great behaviors that projectors can sometimes engage in is that if you're born knowing that you can see how you can help other people improve going from A to B, you kind of want to tell everyone that you see stuff you know, (laughs) and then you get bitter about not getting the recognition that you want to get from that, or you get annoyed about other people not helping you see that the same way. So a big thing with projectors and a big thing that, you know, again, like I never want to say that I'm done with it because it's, again, it's the same stuff. You just work it daily and different ways and different levels. And every time you think you've kind of, you know, got to the end of level one, there you are at level two and you're starting all over again with it in a different way. So with me, it really has been about, for example, I know that the people that come to me for my work already are interested in receiving the service that I provide. But, you know, with family, it's sometimes hard to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> you know, that's that's one of the big ones. And that's just in one aspect that I've worked through in the last like three months is like, oh, I don't need to be sending quotes in our family group that's like secretly <laughs> hoping that people will get something. <laughs> oh, that's you so know? relatable. <laughs> I'll like DM so, Simon sometimes, like something I saw online being like, and he'll be like, why are you sending me this? I was like, I just liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the the ultimate sort of thing that really helps is like if you do see it like a game, like every time you can pull your energy away from something that is is not right for you to be doing, you do liberate that energy then to be available for life to show you what else can be done with it without you even thinking about what it gets to be done. So that's just that one is like top of my mind. But once you really get into knowing your type and how what we call the not self presents, which is like the kind of sneaky behaviors that that come in through not being what you're supposed to be, then you spot it in different facets of your life as time goes on. Are there ways that human design works really well in conjunction with other things? Like people really love Enneagrams, you know, or have astrologers that they religiously follow and love or Meyer Briggs. Does it matter? Does it flow more with some than others? Or is it kind of just its own thing and it doesn't really matter? Do you know, I think that these modalities are more about the consciousness that the person sharing them is sharing them with. And I think if you're talking about truth with a capital T, all of these avenues can help you get there or can actually get you into spiritual ego and get you lost. But if someone is really tapped in, we're all saying the same thing. We're all saying different aspects of of the same thing. And you can use it in tandem or you can not, but there's no kind of like perfect fit or perfect marriage or any of that stuff. And I've just started learning a little bit about the Enneagram and I never resonated with it until I heard someone that I did resonate with speaking about it. So I think it works with whatever you're resonating with, but also can really function on its own for people. I said to you before, like, I love doing readings to people who don't have a clue about any of it because sometimes the people who you get the best results with is a boyfriend of someone who I once said to them, well, listen to your gut. And if it's a, if you get an absolute yes, then do it. But if you don't, then don't. And he's getting more results than someone who's like, my Mars is in my, this with the projector thing and the retrograde that. And (laughs) so I think it's all about how you apply it and rather than knowing more, you know, Yeah, I think sometimes people, you know, when we feel lost, which we do often, Mm -hmm. I think we're trying to, instead of like drawing our own map by kind of listening or kind of tuning our own little radio till we find the frequency that we are like, Mm -hmm. feels the most clear to us, we just start Mm -hmm. to kind of glob on and say like, Mm -hmm. okay, and this, I'll see this and I'll do this and I'll do this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. whenever I have a friend who's going through that, I'm like, pause, Mm -hmm. And actually have enough stillness that you can just start to really figure out what it is you hear within yourself. Mm. And then what it is, is speaking to you the most, not even most loud, but most clearly from somebody Mm. else. 
And I think that's usually the thing that you're meant to be hearing at that time. And maybe that's human design. Maybe it's any rams, whatever it might be. And, and I feel that from being someone who, you know, again, the two of us did not grow up in spiritual, you know, we are not people who grew up in Topanga and had Mm -hmm. parents who had, you know, healers or shamans or anything in our houses. It was quite the opposite. And so, you know, we really chose the kind of spiritual path we have. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. What would be your advice for someone who is kind of, whether it's skeptical or feels the lack, but doesn't know how to kind of get on to a spiritual journey or start trying to do something differently because however, however they're living right now doesn't work. Mm. What would be your advice? I think there's a difference between, you know, when you feel like you want to change your life, but let's say you want to, you're starting to feel this, okay, maybe this relationship isn't right. Maybe I won't break up. Maybe are we right for each other? Are we wrong for each other? Are we right for each other? When you're in that is not the time to take action. Mm. That comes before the click inside. And when the click inside happens and you're ready, then you're it's going to be effortless to do it. It's the same thing with anything. Like when you really want to get sober, it's not the time when your family and friends have shoved you into rehab 10 times. It's when the heart and the mind and the soul are truly feeling the cost of staying the same more than the change and I think we need to give ourselves a lot more grace of waiting for that feeling inside rather than the outsourcing is it right is it wrong and I do really believe in timing actually aligning you to the best and smoothest outcomes so I think instead of thinking about should I do this should I do this spiritual thing should I not whatever wait until it's kind of not a question let it percolate for a bit I think that's number one. And I think number two, which the core tenet of human design is that the mind is always trying to control things. It's always trying to know things. But if you listen to your, literally your, and this is a mechanism, the body is a vehicle and your intuition is the, is the MVP, right? Your emotions are the ones that drive the train for you. If you get out of the mind, which is just trying to know more to feel secure, it's just trying to know how the world works, it's trying to guarantee outcomes. Really, the main thing is try different things and demand the universe to show you if something is working. So like if it's something low cost, like trying a meditation, what's the worst thing that can happen? But you won't know, you won't gather the evidence until you just give it a go. And you don't have to try meditation, you just have to try whatever you feel like is a small stretch for you and then it's about gathering evidence rather than like me saying trust that life has always got your back you're not going to know that until you've seen that it really does you know until you've built up the relationship with it to see that it has and you've built up that evidence in your own life but it starts with the first step which is the scariest step which is that first moment of the pivot you know yeah and I think in that liberate yourself from it looking a certain way Mm. I think for me if I I would have never meditated had I thought that there was one way to do it. Mm. Um, But because I knew that it was more about just allowing my mind to not be fixated on things, I do walking meditations or Mm. I have just moments without my phone or anything nearby where I'll wash the dishes and that's a meditation. And Mm. sometimes I'll sit and do, you know, a Tara Brock meditation. But I think sometimes people are so strict and controlling about it being right or wrong that the, mm-hmm. that pressure, I think, especially if you're pivoting or you're kind of trying to 
try something new, the best way and easiest way to be able to try something new is to do it without pressure. And especially pressure you put on yourself. Yeah. And you really taught me that too, because, you know, you're also in your chart, you're inconsistent in human design. And so you're not doing the same meditation every day. You're not Mm -hmm. doing the same routine every single day. And you are just kind of playing it by one, you know, I don't know, you'll tell me like, maybe you go through phases of doing the Tara Brocks and then the next day you don't feel like doing that and you do something else. And it really drives Simon crazy (laughs) because he's like, if it can just be on the schedule at this time and in this way every day. And I'm like, do, do, do. (laughs) And like, I'm like, I feel great. And I was like, sometimes it's like, I get the most, the same out of a 20 minute meditation. That's Tara Brock as I get from watching a Nancy Meyer movie in the bathtub. And that's just how I feel like, and it's not that I would call that watching a movie in the bathtub a meditation. But when I think about what a meditation yields, Mm-hmm. In what true kind of time away from the kind of grind and movement of our world yields? Mm-hmm. It's, it's yielding about the same for me in my nervous system. So who what do I care? The kind of container that comes in. Yeah, and how it and how it looks. And there's so many things that I don't do that are again, you know, it's a it's a type of conditioning, it's a type of archetype that we all get shoved into of and these are not bad for everybody, but I don't do sauna. I don't do cold plunge. I don't work with crystals. I don't own one single pair of workout gear. Like there's so many things (laughs) that I don't do and not because they're bad. And again, not because they're bad for other people, but because I don't feel that genuine alignment for me. I feel like, would I, would my aunt pull through self do this? Okay. Yes or no. And then just we're the only ones that are coming to be our own authority. You were one of the first people who really helped me have permission to do even the slightest small things like leave a workout class early or something. So Jen and I have been best friends for over 15 years almost. And, but we never live in the same place. We lived in New York for a couple of years at the same time, but she's almost always been in London. I've been in New York. I've been in mm-hmm. Los Angeles lately. So we'll always kind of be like, what, what exercise are you doing? What workout are you doing? And we'll, and Jenna would always say, I'm doing this, but I don't do the, the cardio part, or I don't do yeah. this part. And I remember back in the day, I was like, it's so liberating to kind of leave out the part that isn't resonating with you. Mm -hmm. And so when I'd go to certain yoga studios, I'd be like, I actually never drop into a real meditation in this space. I don't think I'm someone who can meditate really well or feel very extremely calm in the large group energy. Like I feel Mm -hmm. a little overwhelmed by the whole energy of the room often, Mm -hmm. not always, but when I do... I used to sit there and be like, I just got to get through this 20 minutes of asana. But because of Jenna, I just would get up and leave. And I never thought that I was like, oh my God, it's so like, it's so rude. It's so people are going to think I don't care about it. And I just thought about what everyone else's experience would be of me doing it. And rather than feeling empowered by my own needs, even in that moment, because mm. I think often we don't think about our energetic needs. We think mm-hmm. about just the kind of like, oh, what's the like work that I do or what should I be doing for my head instead of being like, well, I'm being energetically fed by a room and what is it feeding me? Is it helping me? Is it making me feel more calm? Is it making me feel better? Is it making me feel self-conscious? And I think you really helped me with observing that in my life. It's such a game changer. And and imagine if everybody was more that way, we wouldn't automatically default to thinking it was something wrong with the teacher or you know what I mean yeah taking it offensively and also the energy with which you do it you know we all read each other's energy it's the energy with which you do it where you're not huffing and puffing on your way out and kind of closing yourself off you're just you know kind of excusing yourself and that's two different completely different things yeah well Jenna I want to thank you so much I could truly have had this podcast for two hours (laughs) I know. I I don't think anybody wants me to talk about my human design (laughs) chart for two hours. I'm so grateful, not only for you coming on this podcast, because you were someone I always hope to have. Jen and I are longtime Goop fans. And so Jenna was one of the first people to kind of call me when I took on the podcast because she was very excited because we love Goop. And so Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for the many years of friendship and guidance and for being kind of my person that I trust with everything I do and who I turn to during my biggest changes and hardest life decisions throughout my entire adulthood thus far. So 
Thank you. I love you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Congratulations on this beautiful book. I hope everyone will get it, learn about their human design, get the human design app, follow Jenna. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you. And that was Jenna Zoe. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with her. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Jenna's new book, Human Design. And if you want to learn more, head to Jenna's website, myhumandesign.com. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Goop Podcast.